What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Episode 338 of Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman podcast. I am your host and only guest, Jen Kirkman. You may know me from my comedy specials, I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine, and Just Keep Living, both on Netflix right now. But this is my podcast. This is where I talk about whatever is on my mind. It is unscripted. It is untested. It is just me talking to you about what went on in my life, in my head, and maybe even in the world in a non-political way this week. So come on in. Today my goal is to talk to you about my mom and dad's wedding anniversary. I went to Carvel ice cream cake and it was such an ordeal. I never want to leave the house again. Brought my friend a birthday cake and socially distanced. Convinced I now have corona. Didn't like how that felt at all. Lip syncing is my true joy in life. Would you pay to see that show? Revisiting a topic I may have talked about before, the TV show Putting on the Hits, my love for it as a kid. How nobody in Hollywood wanted to buy my reboot. What I'm watching, two documentaries I want to recommend. A book I read about how the mom, Jerry's mom on Seinfeld, and she was the neighbor on ALF, had an affair with James Dean for years. And she wrote a pretty steamy book about it. I'm going to talk about that. So let's begin talking. Oh, we're also going to talk about why talking to friends on Zoom can feel like a chore. And some advice from a woman at sea alone on her daily rituals. Why are there such pausing in this? I'm sorry. All right, let's begin this week's episode. So I called my mom last week and uh, it was when I called her, it had been a couple days since, but it was my parents' wedding anniversary. Um, The year I got married, which still sounds strange to me, 2009, I think was their 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah, that's about right. Or 45th or something. So I think they're on their, I think they had their 60th. I think that was a couple years ago. But we're not the type of family that celebrates their parents' wedding anniversary. We've never been the type of people to, let's throw them a surprise party for their anniversary. It, I think it would annoy my mother. She doesn't have a lot of family. She just has a brother left. You know, and her, obviously her, uh, his sister and their kid, I mean, his wife and their kids. And, you know, my dad's side of the family is like, he's got six brothers and they've all got wives and sister with a husband. And then they all have four kids and then the kids have kids. Like, you're going to invite all those people to my parents' anniversary. And we see them all once a year at Christmas anyway. I, they're just not those people. 
they'd rather just go to the casino and hang out with their degenerate friends there. Now, my mom would, why do you say that about them? To me, they're degenerates. They're rich degenerates, but they're degenerate. They are not. My friend owns a Park Avenue home. Okay. And she gambles every weekend. Um, I got to get my, I got to not give my parents a hard time. So anyway, called my mom and she said, you know, it was R Ronnie and I had an anniversary. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. Oh, we, we, it's nothing to do with you. Well, we, we had to um, get up early that day because we were going to the store and it opens at 7 a.m. That's when the seniors go. And I mean, I actually was thinking about that. I'm like, my parents had to set the alarm for 6 a.m. They're not these seniors that just wake up at 5 a.m. They, they sleep so late now. They're turning into teenagers because I think they don't really sleep in the night. So if when I visited them, they'll be asleep until 10. So I don't think, I think people think it's some natural state for seniors to be up at 7 a.m. Uh, and I know it's before the world begins and it's a great time to get them in, get them out, keep them healthy, shopping with Corona. I got it. But it just felt mean in a way when my mom said it, it just hit me 7 a.m. Anyway, she said, so we go and, you know, whenever we go in a store, when we get home, we wash all of our clothes in the washing machine with hot water and detergent. And so I got home and I took off all my clothes and put them in the washing machine. And then your father took off all his clothes and put them in the washing machine. And I'm like, what the fuck is this story? The washing machine's in our kitchen. So they just took off their clothes once they walked in. I guess that makes sense. And threw them. I'm, I'm assuming that this must be a ritual that they do all the time. But it was it was coming off like some kind of anniversary celebration. Like, you know that thing where you stand in the kitchen and take your clothes off and put it in the washer? And then she said, so we're standing there naked. And I'm like, I never thought I'd have this conversation with my mother. And I looked at your father and I said, you want to get married? Oh, it was funny. I mean, that is fun. It's cute. That's really adorable when you think about it. I said, how did your bodies look? Oh, I, we don't even look. We don't even look. We don't even look anymore. I, I don't even want to know what mine looks. My dad was oddly a little more uh, with it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him, but sometimes he's just not with it. And he he was like, you, you know, you got to take walks. You, you can't let these people without the masks make you not walk. You got to keep the immune system up. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't even know if he thought COVID was real. Now he's telling me to keep my immune system up, which is great. But I have been walking every day despite nobody in my neighborhood wearing a mask. Uh, it's been fine. And I've been taking walks in different areas and uh kind of exploring. So I'm getting that immune system and don't, don't you worry. Anyway. So ugh, my friend had a birthday, my friend, Chris, and I thought it would be fun to do one of those drive by your friend's place on their birthday, beep, drop a gift off and go. And so I decided to, I thought, well, I'm going to make something. And I don't know where this is coming. I'm not one of those making bread people. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I thought I was going to be. And then I was like, I don't feel like going through all that effort of a thing that stresses me out because I've just, <laughs> I just gained so much weight in the middle and the butt. Drive me crazy. Like, why would I, I'm not going to like eat a loaf of bread. So but I was thinking, I'm going to make my friend Chris some cornbread because we have a private joke about it, which is that I hate cornbread. He loves it. We were writing partners on Chelsea lately. We would spend 40 hours a week together. But whenever we hung out outside of work alone, we'd, it feels like we would have nothing to say. And one time we were driving to go to something after work. I forget what it was. And Chris just started saying, you know, I really love cornbread. What are, what are your favorite types of cornbread? And I just looked at him and went, this is what we're talking about, cornbread. We have nothing else to say to each other. And I had remembered a time when my sister Gail was on the basketball team and my mom took me to watch one of their practice sessions. 
and the bleachers were open out, whatever, but there was nobody on them because it was just a couple parents watching the practice for some reason. And so my mom and me and my mom's friend, Mrs. Blair, were all sitting on the bleachers together. Mrs. Blair was to my right. My mom was to my left. And Mrs. Blair had cornbread that she had made and it was in a Tupperware and she offered me some and I took some and then I tasted it and I hated it. It wasn't her bread. I just don't like cornbread. Have I since had really good cornbread in the South? Yeah, of course. Heat it up, get that butter. It's just not what I feel like eating. It's just not my thing. So... Anyone who sends me suggestions about cornbread, just take a breath, sleep on it, and then go, do I really need to do that? Do I need to do that? Is that who I want to be? So I thought it would be funny if I learned to make cornbread and dropped it off at him. And then I thought, this is way too much effort. And there's nothing funny about putting myself through all that work. And so I thought, is there like a joke food item or something that's unique? And then I just thought, oh, wait. Carvel, that, that's something from our past as kids growing up on the East Coast. Like, That's like such a uh, thing from the 70s. And so I looked up. We do have a Carvel here. And they were like, you can put a picture on a cake. And I thought, oh, my God, I have to put my friend's headshot that he got when he was 18. And not even a real photographer, just like some guy hustling him, uh, took his photos. And he's in this jean jacket. And... Uh, hilarious. And so I thought I will get that picture and we'll put it on the cake. Now, I don't know. Now it just becomes a project, which is fun. So I find the picture on the internet. I don't know why it's up there. I think it was, uh, maybe he had posted on his Facebook one time. So now it's, it's in Google and I find it and I save it. And I think, I don't know if the resolution is going to be good enough, but it's just a goddamn cake. So I don't even care as long as it like, we sort of get the idea. It's fine. So I said to Chris, be home at Thursday around 3. I'm going to do one of those drive-by drop-off things. So anyway, I call Carvel. Now, I heard a busy signal. I haven't heard a busy signal in 20 years. More than 20. 30. 35 years. A busy signal. I mean, I think every phone or phone, I don't even know how landlines work anymore. I have one, but I, I'm like, where do I have call waiting on it? Is that because of the phone company or the who cares? No, it's of course you sign up when you get your landline. Do you want call waiting? Sure. Throw that in. And, uh, this Carvel does not have call waiting, which is just, you know, it's not a great sign that, that things are thriving, but maybe that's just the way they want to be. They don't want to have to interrupt one call to take another. So, you know, whatever, maybe they don't even know that they don't have call waiting. But I'm just getting a busy signal, and I'm like, okay, well, does it mean they're out of business, or does it mean they really just don't have call waiting? So finally, I get through. I tell this woman I want to order this cake, but there's a picture, but it's from the internet, but, but, but. And she's like, yeah, just email it to me. You email it to me while we're talking, and she sees it, and she bursts out laughing, and she's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, no, 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 that was my friend. And she's like, oh, well, that's so nice. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it might be better if you have a better resolution if you have your friend just text the picture to you. And I'm like, well, A, that would ruin the surprise. But B, I go, this friend is not currently 19. This is this is not a photo that was just taken. There's no uh, texting the original because the original is probably in his parents' basement. Uh, there's no original. Every version of it has been a photograph of the original and then a photograph of that photograph of that photograph of that. Like we don't even have the original digital photograph. It's not a thing. She could not comprehend words I was saying. And she's like, I just want to make the picture look good. And I said, it doesn't have to look good. This is like a joke gift. I'm being mean. And she goes, oh. And I go, no, again, the person I'm being mean to is older, older than me. And I'm 45. She goes, okay. I go, so there's no, like, this isn't an actual teenager I'm getting this for. It's an old picture of someone who's now 30 years older. She goes, got it, got it. Like, <laughs> I'm explaining how aging works. So then, but she was ultimately really, really helpful. So then I said, I'll be there Thursday at 2. I get a 
frantic phone call from the guy that works there. Uh, John, it's John here. Uh, you can't, we can't use this picture. We can't use this picture. Like completely freaking out. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry to say it. But you know how emotional men can get in the workplace. And so I thought, well, I bet this girl totally has it under control. He came in, saw the order, and was having a breakdown. So I call him back. It's a busy signal. I have to keep remembering to call. Then he calls. Then I miss the call. And he's like, yeah, about that picture. Uh, you got to get me another one. So then I call back and I go, I talked to Lee a few days ago. She said, this is for a fucking ice cream cake. <laughs> I said, she got the picture. I feel like I'm like Anna Wintour, you know, uh, discussing the September issue. Like, I called you. Okay, I talked to Lee. She got the photo. Um, yep. Uh, well, Jonathan didn't get, you know. So I go, I talked to Lee. She said it was the perfect size. It's fine. I said, again, it's kind of a joke gift. It doesn't have to be high res clear. It's, it's silly. You know, it's silly. It can be a little faded. Or, he goes, all right. Yeah, there's no problem with this. No, I got it. I see it. Yeah, no, it'll totally fit. Why? You had, you had a question about that? I'm like, no, you come. Hang up. Hour later, I get a phone call. Hey, John, they call me about that picture. I call back. I go, Oh no, tell me, is it not working? He goes, uh, you don't have the original? I go, no, we just have, no. He goes, okay, yeah, it'll work. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm like, I wasn't worried. You keep calling. Then two hours later, I get an email. Hi, Jen, please send the original. I'm like, I emailed back. I, have we taken care of this? Because we've talked on the phone twice today. And he wrote back, yeah, this is an old email. Ignore it. But it wasn't. The email came in after the third time I talked to him. So I don't know. And I was like, this place. So I drive to go get it. And uh, the thing is, when I looked up where it was, it's in uh, part of town, West Hollywood, that's close to me. I called the number on the website for West Hollywood and it went to this, which is in Santa Monica, which is way further away. And, uh, so they have a call forwarding where you call a shop and you think you're talking to West Hollywood, you order the cake, make arrangements, pick it up and it's the wrong store. They have a thing that forwards it so that you don't know what location you're talking to, but no call waiting. Okay. So anyway, at the last minute I find out I'm going to the wrong place. Who cares? I get there eventually. And I talked to three different, I talked to them three different times about they're going to just bring it into my car, social distancing style. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, be there too. So I get there and I see the girl that I worked with. I can just tell it's her. She comes outside. She's just standing there. I'm waving and I call and uh, some other guy makes it to them before me. I literally heard him get out of the car and go, um, we're looking for a fudgy the whale. But he was like pulling up his pants and wearing sunglasses and he had a bandana around his face and he was looking around the parking lot going, yeah, we're, we're looking for a fudgy the whale. It looked like a guy was like, hey, look, I'm the chief of police. I'm looking for a fudgy the whale. You know who I'm talking about, leader of the mafia, fudgy the whale. So anyway, and the girl went and helped him right away. <clears throat> I'm calling. He goes, hey, Jonathan and Carvel. I go, hey, I'm Jen. He goes, yeah, when are you coming in? I go, I'm here now. He goes, well, come on in. I go, no, I don't want to. Like, is social distancing thing? And he goes, Oh, yeah, we do that. Yeah, I'll be right out. Never comes out. Five minutes later, he's helping someone else. They're having a conversation. I'm not kidding. Then the girl is just standing there, and I'm like, hey, I'm Jen. I'm here to pick up a cake, and she's, like, coming closer. I'm like, oh, forget it. So I just get out of the car. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. The guy who's, I'm looking for a fudgy the whale. He's got a mask on, but he's coming in. He's coming out. He's two feet away at all times. So she gives me the cake. I'm like, this looks amazing, whatever. I get out of there. Everything kind of works out, even though it took 20 minutes. So then I drive to my friend Chris's house. I get out of the car. I present him with the cake. I had told my friend Sarah, I'm like, you should come at the same time. So she did. She gave him a six-pack of beer, and it was like, here's your trashy gift. But then we started chatting. And, you know, we had like a hang for like an hour, a socially distanced hang. I had my mask on. And... I, I was well more than six feet away, but I just, I was like, this is wrong. Like we're standing on the front lawn talking, but I think this is wrong because six feet's just a suggestion and these masks aren't COVID. And 
this doesn't need to be happening. There's something's wrong here. I know it's like okay technically, but it's not. And I went, why? See, this is, I can't, I miss quarantine. But if you get me, like I have to be black and white, all or nothing. You know what I mean? I'm like someone who can't casually drink. I mean, except that I can, thank God. But the people who can't, it's like I have one beer, then I'm driving to Tijuana, you know, two hours later. So I have to have no beer. And I'm like, I have to have no contact with people or I say I'm dropping a cake by your house and now we're talking for an hour. Like I can't, I'm too social. I'm both. Once I'm social, I'm social. And once I'm home, I'm like, people, what? So I get in my car. I'm like, I have to go. I get home. I take a hot shower. Not like my parents. And I mean, just like my parents, but. Um, and so I, yeah, I just felt weird, put my clothes in the washer and then had like a giant anxiety attack follow, falling asleep. And I ha- actually had a nightmare that I was in a hospital getting on the elevator and there was a doctor in there or a nurse or someone with the, you know, all the gear and they had a stethoscope And he's standing next to me and the door is shut and he has no mask on and he coughs and I actually see particles go everywhere. And he goes, oh, I have COVID. I go, what are you fucking doing? He's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm delirious. And I was like, stop talking. And I was like putting my face into my t-shirt and then, God, it was such a realistic dream, even though that what I said is not realistic at all. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, yeah, see, this is why I can't safely social distance with people because it makes me too neurotic. It's not worth it for me. It does feel good to have human interaction and being around friends, but at the same time, it, it, I felt wrong about it. And then at the same time, when it was done, I just got paranoid. And I thought, so that feeling that I'm left with is way worse than how good it was to see people, you know, like I'm fine with online. It, it, I don't know, maybe I'm like a weird semi only child loner, you know? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I love people, but I totally understand there's a pandemic and I think I'm good for a year on this. I was thinking about Christmas, like I'm not going to be flying home, which is fine. I'm just going to be by myself, which I did once before because I think I was sick one year, but I don't know. Will, Will by that point, I will be so depressed. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I'm already predicting it. I said this last year, I don't feel like putting up Christmas decorations this year and Honestly, I didn't last year either, and I was, like, annoyed with them the whole time. And I, I I hate putting them up and taking them down. It just makes me crazy. So I don't know what I'm going to do. But then again, last year I wasn't home. Like, I was, I was gone, like, a lot in November and December. So maybe this year I'll, I'll want to because I'm home, but I'm not starting in, like, October. Well, I think that's madness because you're sitting there every day looking at it if that's not what you want to look at. Okay, we don't need to worry about that now. So... My newfound joy in quarantine is lip syncing. And I would love, again, write me emails, iseemfun at gmail.com and let me know if you have any kind of newfound joy like that in quarantine. So mine is lip syncing. I have been lip syncing um, since I was a kid. I mean, to me, it's an art form. And, well, it's not to me, it's an art form. It is actually an art form. And... Here, I'll give, I'll give the video people a quick thrill. I'm going to give you a little bit of a tutorial on lip syncing. Okay. This is a Nancy Sinatra kind of a woman. See how I did that? 
that is timing because I have been doing lip syncing forever. That's right. If you join my Patreon, you can just see me lip sync that. Why wouldn't you join? Five bucks a month. This is my only income for the moment. It is five, 10, 15, 20, 25, or $35 a month, depending on how much bonus content you want. Even at just the $5 level, you get four episodes a month like anyone else does, but you get the exclusive video feed. And I let the video run a few minutes early and I talk directly to my Patreons that way. So you get a little extra content that way. Plus you get a bonus 20 minute episode every week. And I put previously unreleased clips from stand-up sets on the road on my Patreon. And so And join at the $10 level, you get two bonus episodes, two quickies, and one big long one every month. Later levels, you get a poster, you get a mug, you get a sticker, you get a t-shirt, all kinds of things. Please sign up, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. It is literally the only way to financially support me while I am canceling my road gigs for the year. Most likely. Um, so there you go. Thank you for your support. And uh, let's get back to what we were talking about, lip syncing. So when I was little, I would stand in my room because, you know, I didn't want to sing out loud and be embarrassed, but I would stand in my room and I would lip sync in front of the mirror. Now, I think I got this idea from the TV show, Putting on the Hits. Put, 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 putting on the hits. It used to air in the 80s. I've talked about it on this show before, but... Let's revisit my favorite topic. And uh, it was hosted by a guy named Alan Fawcett. There were such good acts. And, um, all right, this was the theme song. We listen to the radio and shake down every hit. Just mouth the words and move it to the tune that fits. Put, 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 putting on the hits. It's putting on the hips, the show that makes you the star you always wanted to be. With our host, Alan Fawcett, and our celebrity judges, and emotion, Julianne McNamara and Alfonso Ribeiro. Look into the mirror. Do your favorite song. You don't have to. Putting on the hits is brought to you in part by Trident Gum. Putting on the hits. Okay. So this one guy gets on. And he does this song by Paul Hardcastle. It's called 19. And this is what we used to groove to in the 80s. Songs about Vietnam War. Because the average age... Here. So were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. <laughs> You have to watch this, guys. Uh, he's acting like he's like a robot soldier. I'm going to hold up my camera to the video version so you can see this. And then we'll talk. Hang on a minute, audio people. guy's amazing but the song people are like woo everyone's partying down he's like they have post-traumatic stress disorder 
Oh. So that song, you can imagine, is pretty hard to lip sync. This guy nailed it. He called himself 3D. That's all the information that we have on him, right? So we think it's, it's on YouTube. It was on the original air date. I think it was 1985. His name is simply 3-D. So I'm, I've been lip syncing since I was a kid, and I continued it into adulthood. My friend used to have a video camera in college. Ooh, ooh, big deal. And she used to videotape my roommate Liz and I lip syncing to George Michael. And then uh, make VHS tapes of it and pass it around. And I wanted to pitch a lip syncing TV show. I wanted to see, you know, this is before my Netflix specials, before Chelsea Lately, before I had any clout. You know, I was saying to my manager, can we just like pitch a reboot of putting on the hits? And she was like, there's no demand for that. And I was like, there is, we just don't know it yet. Because there wasn't Twitter. I couldn't be like, if 100,000 people say, I mean, not that that's going to do anything, but. So I, then of course, Jimmy, I was going to say Jimmy Fallon gets in office. Jimmy Fallon gets elected. <laughs> and lip sync is a Jimmy Fallon on his show has these lip sync contests and talks about lip syncing. And then he launches, I think, a lip sync show. And I don't know where it went, but what I loved about putting on the hits is you could, um, you could dress up like the people, which was cool. And all the songs were kind of eclectic. Like 3D wasn't dressed as whoever this musician Paul Hardcastle is. He was dressed as like a zombie robot soldier person. It was creative. So I decided, all right, well, fine. I'm not going to pitch a reboot of a lip sync show. I'm going to do a live version at the UCB theater in LA and we'll have guest comedian judges, but you know, people will seriously be taking it seriously and lip syncing. And I was hoping comedians would do it too. Like, are there any comedians of my generation who lip synced in their rooms? I'm sure there was a ton of us, right? So I decide that the first show should have this guy 3D in it revising his role. Like, what if I could find this guy? So in 2008, um, I'm in my office at Chelsea lately, and I start looking around, and I find this YouTube clip that I just played you, and I notice it had been posted in 2007. So someone in his life recently posted this. And so then I look, and oh, his name's Robert Gomez. So I go to his page, and I just sent him a private message. And I said, I want to do a lot, you know, I'm a comedian in Los Angeles and I want to do a live lip sync show. And, um, do you happen to live in the area? And he said, well, I'm in, uh, Yorba Linda or Rancho Cucamonga. It's like something that's like far enough away that it's a pain in the ass to get here, especially with traffic. And I think he probably does think there's some money in it. And it, I, anyway, so I was like, well, cool. Would you be willing to revise that role? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'd have to relearn it, but I think I could do it. And I'm like, that'd be great. Then I started thinking, is anyone going to fucking know that thing except me? Because the UCB theater had been skewing way younger. Like the audiences coming in were 20 and they weren't even allowed alive when that thing aired. So I was like, this is just going to be a bummer for this guy and for everybody. And then I was like, oh, forget it. And so, um, oh, actually, Jimmy Fallon's thing hadn't started yet. This, That's right. It, I just let the lip sync thing die. And then I said I'm going to do a video, a, a live version. And then I wrote this guy back. I said, listen, I can't get this together, but don't worry. You're missing nothing. You know, hope you're well and whatever. But he was like, yeah, my daughter told me to put that on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. So nice man. We wish him the best. But I just sort of lost the oomph for it because I started getting busy with work. And then it was like one second later, Jimmy Fallon was like, I'm all about lip syncing, lip syncing, lip syncing. And I should have just jumped on the bandwagon then, but it was still one of those times where it was like, if someone's already done something, then you can't do it and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, forget it. But I've been loving it so much. And I posted two videos on Instagram and I was laughing because one of our Patreon subscribers was like, 
I seriously thought this was you singing. And I'm like, I know that sounds like a compliment, but it's just telling me that you don't know who Liza Minnelli is and what her voice sounds like. And it's missing the point, which is that the lip sync is the art. And he was like, I never thought about that. I just think it's funny because lip syncing is not really a thing that, that people know about. And so, I mean, I think a lot of obviously like older people, gay people, whatever, you know, uh, I mean, lip syncing has been kind of, I think an underground thing that, uh, was maybe not for the straights so much, um, straight men. So anyway, but now it's everybody, everybody is all up in it. Everybody loves lip syncing, but, um, so now I'm just doing it online at home to songs that I've been practicing for no reason in, in my home. And, uh, I think people who appreciate lip syncing like it, but I was saying to a friend that I'd really love to do a Sandra Bernhardt kind of show where you sing a song and you do some stories, but I don't sing well enough and I can't charge money for that. And you go, oh my God, yes you do, no, no, no. But it's like, no, no, no. Like then you have to have a band and now I'm hiring people and it's just like, it's too much. But I thought, what if I did a Sandra Bernhardt type show where I come out, I tell my stories, hey everybody. And I'm not lip syncing in character, like a, like it's a drag concert. It's just more like, so anyway, you guys, my family, oh my God, they do the wackiest things, blah, blah. I tell my story and then I'm like, here's a song about family. And then I just, as though I was singing it, lip sync, you know, we like a song that, but the, the key, lip sync, right? So there may be three songs and it's a one hour show. <laughs> but it's built around the theme of these songs. And it's just like if I were to stop and sing like a real cabaret show, except I'm lip syncing, but I'm not imitating the person, but the lip syncing is really good. Would anyone pay for that? <laughs> That's what I want to do for a living rather than have to do stand up. I want to do stories that doesn't have to be like joke, joke, joke. And then I want to lip sync just for an hour and that's it. Then we all go home happy. But the key to lip syncing is, you know, unless I really dressed up like, you know, let's say, quiet riot who's saying, we're not going to take it. I could lip sync the shit out of that, but you know, it's not me. You know, it's like a guy, like we don't have the same face. I don't know. I would have to dress up like them to pull something like that off. But there are certain songs that I know fit my face. And so it looks like I could actually like, I, it, it's not distracting. Like my face is part of it. And you know, so you have to be, I think the key to lip syncing is seeing who forms words in a way that your mouth can do them convincingly so that you're moving your mouth the way you would normally move it. And yeah, that, that kind of looks like your face. I don't know how else to explain it. So if anyone needs any lip syncing tips, I was going to give some shopping tips as well. People keep saying I'm wearing a lot of headscarves. And people are like, I have such bad luck with finding cute stuff like that. And I, I want to say to everybody in this shopping corner, shopping corner, you're not having bad luck shopping. You are just not trying hard enough because you think that shopping is buying. And you don't want to buy a lot and you don't want to be in stores all the time. So I'm going to redirect everyone's brain about shopping. It's like... I think I would love to see the way that people go, I've been looking for this kind of thing, but I never have any luck. They probably walk through one store. I don't like that. So shopping is, especially with online, is a daily commitment. I know that's crazy. But if you want to always pay less, you have to catch online sales. And that's what I do. Somebody said, Urban Outfitters never has sales. They, every day is a sale online. So what I do is I have, you know, maybe my five stores or places I like to go online to get clothes. And I check it for fun every two days. And I go through and I star things I like and I heart things I like. And you just keep watching the prices. But I go to the sales section and there's new stuff in the sales section all the time. Sale doesn't mean that it's not in style anymore. It means they have to move it out for the next season. But a sweater is always going to be in style. You know, you can, and I don't, so I just am always looking so that I know when sales are. And they're not just the obvious ones. Memorial Day, Labor Day, July 4th. 
That's why you have to keep checking. You never know why there suddenly might be a sale. And you've got to join email lists of stores. I mean, I do. You can create a separate email for it. I let it come to my real email. That's how fucking open I am. And I really read the things they say all the time. And so I'm all, I start to get a sense of when they're going to have sales. And you have to look at like five or six places. And then you'll find the headscarf of your dreams or, or whatever. You know, first you just Google headscarf and see what kind of stores seem to sell it. And if, if those stores appeal to you, then you sign up for their mailing list and you keep checking back for sales. I never pay full price for anything. And, you know, it, does, it seems like I'm sitting here obsessing over clothing, but it doesn't take that long. You know, I might do that instead of look at Twitter or look at Instagram. It's like I just go to these stores and I'm like, oh, what do they have? And, and the thing is, you just can't buy. You can't sit there buying every time you shop or you literally be shop, buying something every day, which is insane. You just have to, it's just to get an understanding of what you like and what's coming out and what you might need and just waiting for sales, you know? So shopping really is, uh, it's more of a commitment than you think, but that's how I find things. And so I wouldn't even know how to explain it's like I always get lucky because I make I make the luck. I knew when to go and get that terry cloth bathrobe that was on sale. I mean, not bathrobe, terry cloth onesie, which is something I used to have, and I fucking shrunk it by accident, and I want to cry and die. This episode is so boring, but I'm going to be honest. I may have um, had a gummy, and I think it's making me a little sleepy, and I didn't mean to. Um, I... It hasn't been affecting me, but that's because I've usually been like cleaning the house and now I'm not, I'm, yeah. Okay. Well, there's that. Um, oh, it's that time, everybody. It's listener email time. You guys take the time to write emails to me and I'm going to take the time to read them out loud. Now, this isn't the listener email where I give anyone advice or answer any questions. Um, those you know, those I try to use as jumping off points for topics on the show. So I'll do one of those in a future episode where I answer a couple questions. But this is just reading out loud. People want to get things off their chest. They want to share things that I asked them to share about in past episodes. And I think it's good for you all to hear from each other, right? Because uh, there are other funlessness, I seem funners, whatever you want to fucking call yourselves. There's a lot of you out there. And I like you to hear from each other. So sit back and relax. I've got my coffee jazz music for morning work and study. Um, You know, no rights, like in a good way. Like I don't need the rights to anything music on YouTube. Thanks, YouTube. So let's read those emails. Jen, thank you for reading my previous email about having postpartum and no motivation for self-care. Your advice that motivation isn't a thing, there is no magic, and you just have to do it was very helpful to me. Yay me. I think that episode aired right before my family self-isolated. The combination of the two worked for me. I started eating better, journaling, doing yoga every day. Oh, look at this bitch. She's blowing all of y'all with motivation out of the water. I realized that I've been self-isolating for years, and suddenly everyone has to do what I'm best at, and I'm not the weird one for wanting to stay home and read. And working from home has made it easier to find time for myself. I get to spend more time with my toddler, and I am generally living my best life. Last weekend, we started a vegetable garden. Yes, I know this is a very difficult and dangerous time for most of America, and I'm still very lucky to be working. But I'm so happy right now. Your advice in the quarantine and meds was all I needed to get my life back on track after struggling with postpartum. So thanks, JKL Love Biddy. This is fucking awesome. I love hearing that. Do not apologize for being happy. Your happiness is good for the world. You don't have to be miserable just because life is hard. Life is already taking care of that for you. Good, good, good. Jen, I appreciate so much your talk detailing why masks are important on episode grief. My soul and my sense of what is right told me I needed to start wearing fabric masks. I learned how to use my sewing machine, brand new, had for years, in order to make my masks. I made some for my daughter, too, and I think it has helped her understand the situation better. Obviously, love you forever. I've only been to one show, but your podcast has gotten me through so much. Stay well, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for coming to that one show. Hey, great. Hi, Jen. If you want to read this on the pod, go ahead and you can use my name. I just finished listening to Collect 
was the name of an episode. And your discussion of phone calls costing money brought back such a memory of my childhood that I wanted to share. My grandmother's favorite hobby was talking on the phone. But while I was growing up in the 90s, she would never let anyone call her. If any of her kids or grandkids called, she would answer and then immediately tell us we would have to hang up so she could call us back because she didn't want any of us to have to pay for the outgoing call. Years later, when I was in college, I would call her to talk and she did the same thing. I would try to explain that I paid for a cell phone plan and however many minutes regardless of whether I use them or not. She wouldn't hear it and always hung up to call me back from her end. I hadn't thought about that in years and it brought a smile to my face. Thanks for the sweet memory and a great episode, Julie. I'm just going to say a blanket thank you to everyone who's writing. I love you all. I love all your emails. I just don't feel like saying it after every single one because I'm lazy. Jen, long time listener. I have your books. Thank you. I just wanted to say I loved the moment in a recent podcast where you scared yourself and had to get up to make sure something scary wasn't in the apartment. It reminded me of your old stand-up bit about spinning to avoid getting attacked by a zombie because they can only get you from behind. Also, I'm watching a documentary and a serial killer has my cologne in his house and now I'm questioning everything. That also reminded me of one of your stand-up bits. Haha, your gay millennial fan, Garrett. Subject heading on this one, Hawaii Visitors Bureau. There was on a la- uh, an episode, I was like, I, I sent a letter to this place in Hawaii. I don't know what it's called. Uh, it could be the Visitors Bureau, but the words I was trying to remember at the time, I remembered later, Chamber of Commerce. Same thing as the Visitors Bureau, I'm sure. I'm, I'm actually, I think it's two different things, but what else? Hi, Jen. It was a great episode. I loved the show, and I hope today is a good one for you. Also, on two occasions at 32nd Street Market in Los Angeles, older, not elderly, just old enough that you should be deferential, black women stopped me because they thought I was Robin Givens. I'm a dude from Hawaii. (laughs) Do you know the actress, you guys, Robin Givens? She's probably a middle-aged black woman. I mean, she's not probably. I think, yeah, she's... I am a dude from Hawaii, but every now and then I catch an angle in the mirror and I see where they're coming from. Germ. (laughs) That's my favorite email I've ever gotten. (laughs) Jen, after listening to your pod today. Oh, sorry. I already read that. Hi, Jen. I've been listening to the podcast for years and just joined the Patreon because I'm not like other fans. I was just listening to the latest episode, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on spontaneous human combustion when you do talk about it. I never ended up doing that. I got interested in the topic a few years ago, and I read a book called Entrancing Flame. It's an investigation of notable causes of spontaneous combustion and the various theories about its cause. The author ultimately puts forth his own theory that doesn't have a lot of scientific merit and makes a loose connection between being a loner and spontaneous combustion combustion, which I should find annoying, but if a person is going to die alone, what a dramatic way to go. So mysterious. Still, it's an interesting read if you don't take it too seriously. The human candle or wick effect theory is apparently the most widely accepted, but unproven. And if you're not quite read an entire book invested in this topic, this Scientific American blog post breaks down the theory pretty succinctly. Hope you find that interesting. Have a great quarantined day, Rebecca. Hi, Jen. Yep, Jen X, gay guy from L.A. here. I've been a longtime listener, reader, and viewer of your work and have wanted to write to you many times, but never have until you asked me to. Your voice is something I look forward to every week. One of my favorite things is hearing you gensplain to younger people how different life was before technology turned us into whatever we are now. Walk alone to the store at age seven? I did. Going to dinner with friends before a movie in fifth grade? I did that too. I'm trying to picture three 10-year-olds walking into a restaurant and saying, table for three, please. That can't be a thing that's allowed to happen these days. I love that you are Brady Bunch House adjacent. When I was a young kid, maybe five, I wrote a letter to Bobby Brady, care of ABC Hollywood, suggesting that we should be friends. I guess I didn't realize the Brady Bunch was reruns and that the actor playing Bobby was a grown man by then. Or did I? 
I hope your quarantine ends soon so we can hear more wonderful stories about terrible customer service. My other favorite thing, XO Chad. P.S. What are matches? <laughs> Jen, ever since I saw your Drunk History Oni Judge episode, I've been smitten. Have seen your comedy in L.A., Netflix specials, and catch your podcast whenever I can. One quick note regarding your most recent podcast. You used the expression, doth protest. I, did, I was saying something like uh, about the divorce party, and this guy I work with said, they doth protest too much. As a Midwest theater student who found himself at Cal Arts years ago, I was quickly corrected over my doth-like moth pronunciation. It's really the word does, but instead of a z at the end, it's the old English th. So, doth offered with love and respect. Best to you always, Craig. I had no idea. This is valuable information, Craig, that the world must know. It is not, she doth protest too much, as she doth. She doth. So don't go around saying stupid shit, everybody. Correct yourselves. Thank you, Craig. Hi, Jen. Just wanted to say thank you for understanding how truly wonderful it is for two people to maturely realize something has run its course. This was, again, in reference to a previous episode where I talked about Jack White's divorce party and how I thought it was cool. Although when I say it out loud, it does seem peculiar, my ex of three years and I spent about eight months splitting up while we waited for our second lease to end. And along the way, we had little get-togethers with mutual friends, still as a couple, to say our goodbyes, essentially, because I was moving out of state. In a way, it was like putting an expiration date on the relationship, but it worked for us. We had a final last date a few days before the lease ended, and when asked by the waitress what the special occasion was, we just looked at each other, smiled, and said, it's our last date before we break up. The waitress started laughing and made a cute joke, but when she realized we were serious, she almost cried. We told her our little story, and by the end of dinner, she had told the entire wait stuff. I had noticed their sympathetic and sweet looks as they walked by our table every single time. She brought us dessert and two drinks on the house because she couldn't believe that we were so gracious to each other. My ex and I are still good friends to this day, and I cherish that mutual respect with her so much. There have been a few topics you've covered that I wanted to reach out about, but this one really hit home. Thanks again, Olivia. Hi, Jen. I just wanted to write to say how funny Watermelon Gate is and to share with you how my mom feels about social media. She's 55, is on Facebook only, and is not at all tech savvy, and from what I can tell, uses it just for looking, no posting or commenting or liking or participation in any way. Sometimes when we talk on the phone, she goes on a rant about how all these people are cooking and baking and need to tell the damn world all about it. And I think it's the funniest thing ever. That was her pre-pandemic. Her latest rant involved seeing that someone posted 20 photos of taking a walk, as if anyone needs to see that. I think she's annoyed that everything seems like a performance for social media, which is, I think, what you were getting at with the watermelons and cooking, but then people got weird about it. Also, I'm amazed by all this talk of technology helping people to stay in touch with older generations. My mom is probably an exception. Certainly most people her age are more savvy. She's closer in tech ability to someone the age of her partner, who's 75. When I visited recently, I had to program some commonly called phone numbers into her flip phone. She was dialing them every time in 2019. So no, I certainly won't be having a Zoom party with my family anytime soon. Who are these grandparents who can just do this? Just wanted to share that with you. Use my name if you like, Amanda. I know my parents can't Zoom. Who's Zooming who? Uh, people, write in icingfun at gmail.com if you have any tech difficulties with keeping in touch with your family and how you guys do it. Hi, Jen. Thanks for mentioning your anxiety email on your most recent podcast. I've been listening to your podcast since 2013, but this is my first time sending in an email. It's actually my first time writing into a podcast or a show as a fan, so I hope I don't sound too dorky or daggy. I really enjoyed your most recent episode, Control. It was great hearing about your therapy breakthrough, and it was definitely helpful hearing how you feel you've changed your thinking regarding being honest about what you want. It definitely gave me something to think about. I think you always give great recommendations on articles, so thanks for doing that on your podcast. I am in Melbourne, Australia. I know from your podcast and from seeing you when you came out here that you know my city pretty well. 
Melbourne isn't where I am from, but it is where I choose to live as it's such a creative, cool place. I do get worried that the city might not be the same after all of this. Australia seems to be doing okay through this crisis, but I feel that it's still early days in the pandemic, especially if we won't have a vaccine for at least 18 months. And I worry about people congratulating themselves and taking things easy before the battle is over. Anyway, I really hope things improve with the pandemic in California and that you are able to stay safe. Thanks for all you do. It's a pleasure listening to your show over the years. Cheers, Cassie. Oh, thank you, Cassie. I love it. Hello, Jen, and thanks for keeping us entertained in these strange times. I just listened to the ghost episode. Well, the episode when you talked about the ghost. Fascinating. Did you ever talk to the Airbnb owner about it? If you did and you talked about it in a subsequent episode, my apologies for not listening to that episode yet. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, from Canada, thanks, Sheila. Um, guys, I actually have an update on the ghost story that I knew years ago, but I, could, I can't tell you because it. Um, I made a promise to the person it's about that I wouldn't. Um, but I'm thinking of maybe talking about it um, as a Patreon bonus or I don't know. But it wasn't a ghost. It turns out it was a person and they weren't fucking with me. They were just doing something even worse and I fired them. So more on that another time. Hi, Jen. Your DJ sets and now your lip syncing have been so fabulous. Thank you. I'm listening to the control episode and have rewound a couple of times now where you're talking about joy and vigor and the energy we bring. And it's so good. Just what I needed to hear at this point in my life. Thank you so much. Lori, a loyal fan in Seattle. Thanks, Lori. Hi, Jen. Here is some, Oh, so I asked people to send in their stories of things that were missing or weird unsolved mysteries. And here's one of them. Hi, Jen. Here's something that has haunted me for 27 years. When I was a kid, we lived in a two-story house where the bottom floor was just a garage and a big rumpus room that was kind of U-shaped because it wrapped around the staircase, which was enclosed. At one end of the room was a walk-in storage closet that was straight up cement bricks right out of a Saw movie. I haven't seen Saw, but I assume it all happens in gross places. About halfway up the wall, there was one row of bricks that had holes in them for ventilation and sunlight would come in through them to light the room. Here's the thing. The bottom floor of our house was built into a sloping block of land, and that part was absolutely and totally underground. When I was finally tall enough to see through the holes, I could see not only daylight through them, but also another room on the other side. Another small gray room, like the one I was in, with a door on the far wall. Not a reflection, a different door than the one on my side. I poked a bunch of pens and crayons through the bricks so they fell out on the other side and then searched the whole house to see if I could find the place they had come out. We moved a few months later and I have never stopped thinking about it. As an, ah, my paper. As an adult, I got the floor plans from the house, from the city, and there's not even space for another room there. Richard. What? Horrifying. Did you ever ask your parents? Tell me more. Please write back again. I seem fun at gmail.com. Hello, Jen. I never saw the Grateful Dead. This is about last, a couple weeks episodes ago. I talked about going to a Grateful Dead concert. But I have seen the dead after Jerry died and other hippie concerts. I was born in 76, and when friends in high school were getting into them, my dad was steadfast against me seeing them in concert. He was a police officer, and he knew what went on at their concerts. And even at the time, I was upset he wouldn't allow me to go. But hindsight is thanking him. I would have seen them in the early 90s, pretty much the same time you did. And they sucked in that time. And yeah, sure, I've seen the dead and other hippie shows. But I like to think that it was a phase. Your assessment of what their and other jam band concerts is is 100% accurate. I never went to the shows for the drugs. I just liked seeing live music. I never danced like I was having a conniption fit and seizure simultaneously. I just enjoyed standing there and watching the sea of desperation and maybe the live music. You seriously are not missing anything with acid or mushrooms. I first did it when I was 18 and did it periodically up until my early 30s. Looking back and thinking about doing it is so unflattering. Back when I first did it, I thought, man, I'm going to expand my mind and feel incredibly connected to all in the universe. And thinking about doing it now in my mid-40s, I think, man, if I take this, 
I am going to ruin my life for the next three days. If you read this, thank you for taking the time to read this, and thank you for always being yourself. I started listening from the start back in 2013, but I took some time off when I thought you were being, quote, a crazy feminist, and I just didn't want to hear any of that. I know it's a cliche saying it, but it wasn't you. It was me. I had a problem with drugs and alcohol at the time, and I was at war with myself, but projected things outwards and never inward. I am now over three years since I quit drinking and almost nine months drug-free, and I've never felt better. I know you aren't a crazy feminist. I know now that you're a neurotic spinster. I love that email. I love when guys come back to the show. It makes me so happy. Thank you. Glad you're sober. Keep it up. Hi, Jen. I have my own personal unsolved mystery. Back when it was safe to go on the Long Island Railroad, a friend and I were going to see a show in Brooklyn. I had my ticket in my wallet in my pocket. We had to change at Jamaica and present our ticket for the rest of the way. My ticket was gone. I went through my wallet and pockets. It wasn't there. I had to buy a new ticket. On the ride home, I went to the kiosk to purchase a returned ticket. And as soon as I opened my wallet, my formerly lost ticket fell out. There was no drinking for me that night, so I can't figure out how it happened. Love the show and hope you can come back to New York City when the apocalypse is over. Nick, I lo- those stories are my favorite. Like, I-, I could listen to stories like that all day. I lost it. I found it. Why? I love it. I'll be back in New York City 40,000 times a year when this is over, Nick. I promise. I miss it so much. Hi, Jen. Discovered your podcast laid out after surgery, and it has been so helpful. Anyway, finally doing the $5 Patreon thing, and I really love it. So, on to my sorry face. In a land far, far away called Anaheim, California, circa 1998, I was living in a, let's say, a halfway house, 25 years old and a little too into the Velvet Underground, dead or 15 or so. If you know what I mean. I gotcha. I gotcha. Heroin. Uh, I'm doing a nine-month stint, and it's this incredible craftsman from maybe the 30s-ish. Big four rooms, two stories. So we all had our own rooms. A guy basically OD'd in one of them while I was in there, sad, and mine was the top master bedroom. I felt the vibe from the first night there, the feeling of being watched. I had long detoxed since, so, you know, haha, a cigar smell when no one smoked cigars. The weird thing you were talking about with things going missing, too. Most of the time to reappear in a very unusual place. When you were watching TV in the living room, especially if you were alone, it would come out. You'd see what I felt was an older gentleman in shadow form peeking at you from the kitchen or the back bedroom. Living room, dining room, kitchen, back bedroom, downstairs, bathroom, staircase was accessible in a circular layout. Anyway, I didn't think much of it being super into anything paranormal. It didn't scare me. I woke up one night to get a glass of water and crept downstairs, poured a glass of water and started drinking it in front of the fridge in the dark. I felt someone behind me, and then I felt someone, a male for sure, breathe on the back of my neck. I froze. I almost dropped the glass. My fight or flight went into overdrive, goosebumps, heart racing, the whole thing. I managed to take a breath, say out loud, I'm just going back to bed. I did not turn around because I already knew no one was there physically. And I just went back upstairs, did not sleep a wink that night. It slowly came out with me being the first to share because I've been out since I was 15 and I do not give a fuck that all them dudes living there had those experiences too. Anyway, I've always been sensitive to energy and I'm still a horror fanatic, but I never thought I would freeze up like that till it really happened to me. Isn't that funny? Anywho, love your Netflix shows and the podcast is so refreshing. Michael from Long Beach. Be careful out there, Michael, in the human and spirit world. Uh, I don't know. This is some email. Hi, Jen. We were a little... Wa- Wait. I think something happened here. Oh. Oh, somebody uh, was giving me advice about um, just how upset I can get when I get hate, hate anything. Uh, it was a longer email, but I... I cut and pasted this advice, which I just think is so simple and beautiful. Uh, Jen, I guess to sum it all up, I just wanted to impart a great piece of advice and perspective I was given many years ago at a terrible call center job at a credit card company. 
While we were in training, the manager said to us, you will be taking 150 to 200 calls per day, and you will speak to a lot of unhappy people. These calls represent about 5% of our customer base. So 5% are unhappy. 95% are feeling just fine about us. Keep in mind, no one calls in to tell you they love the card and we're doing a good job. You'll only hear about the problems. That was said to me in 1993, and it has stuck with me ever since. You're providing a great service to people who really need it right now in spite of your own struggles with all this craziness. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Hashtag trigger this, haters. Thank you. And of course, I knew that kind of logic before, but I really enjoyed hearing it about a call center. It almost made it hit home even more. And, you know, I got some weirdo emails in this batch. I'm not reading them out loud. I'm not giving it air because I'm feeling so good lately with just giving love, getting love. Let's keep this going. Got a JKL. Gonna get my McConaughey going. Where's that been? Jen, I'm listening to the latest episode, Time, and I have a story. When my sister and I were kids, we had a fish tank. One of the first fish we bought ended up living the longest. He outlived every other fish we ever bought until eventually he was the last one in the tank and he was alone for months. We literally saw him in there. Then one day, the tank was dirty, so like you do, we went to clean it out and he had vanished, completely gone without a trace. We took everything in the tank apart, cleaned it all, took apart the filters to see if he was sucked it sucked in. We looked all over the living room to see if its bones were somewhere. A morbid thought for kids, I now realize looking back, but nothing. We were completely baffled. We didn't have our dog at the time, so there's no way something ate him. And he was the last one in there. And we saw him alive when he was solo, so none of the others ate him either. To this day, we're both now in our 20s, and once in a while we'll go, hey, remember when that fish completely vanished? This is very anticlimactic, but it's about as low stakes as a missing pen. Thanks for all you do, a newest member of your Patreon. Oh, that's pretty high stakes. A missing fish? Don't discount that. And thank you for being a new member of the Patreon. And that is our listener emails for this week. And you may wonder why it was such a long section. Well, I had accidentally, well, I had changed the password on the I Seem Fun email. I forgot that I did. And so they weren't downloading. Like, I don't go to gmail.com to check email. It downloads onto my Outlook. No big deal. I'm pretty tech savvy. And an email hadn't come in in a while. And I was like, geez, is anyone listening to this? So anyway, I finally, they all came in at once. So I'll try to be more consistent with listener emails in future episodes. And they won't take an entire half hour. So please, I seem fun at gmail.com. Comment on anything you've heard in recent episodes. Talk to each other. Comment on someone's letter. I don't care. Let's just open up a dialogue, gang. <laughs> All right. On with the next part of the episode. <laughs> 